you need to acknowledge that you're going to be breached or that you've already been breached and you don't know about it. Things are bad. People are not aware that they're walking around with a target on their backs. It was proven that passwords are useless. Last Friday, many huge websites, including Twitter, Netflix, Spotify, SoundCloud, were taken down because tens of thousands of connected internet devices, and I'm not talking about computers here, I'm talking about things like DVRs and security cameras and internet routers, that internet of things we've all been so excited about, got hacked, and they were used to crash a major domain name service provider, which meant that the URLs we typed into our browser bars didn't work. An article that came out this weekend in Fast Company pointed out that security experts have been warning for years that the makers of these devices weren't taking security seriously. So it seems timely that today's podcast interview is with security expert Sar Kohn, who has over 18 years' experience in IT security, with everything from big organizations like L'Oreal and the Israeli Defense Department through to little startups. This is episode 90 of Frank Reactions, the podcast where we help you profit from the digital era through better customer experiences online and off. I'm Tema Frank. Internet security is one of those issues that I've been wanting to talk about on this podcast for a long time, for two reasons. One is... It's hugely important to all of us as individuals and as business owners, because if we don't get the security part right and have a cyber attack or other major problem, it can literally kill our organizations if we don't handle it right. And because we're always struggling to deal with the conflict between wanting to make things more and more secure versus keeping them really easy for customers. And we talk about that, I guess, about half or two-thirds of the way through the interview, that particular aspect. Anyway, listening to this interview will be a bit of a roller coaster from the scary bits, like the ones I played before the intro music today, right through to the happier view that there are actually simple things you can do to minimize the risk and any possible damage if you do get breached. Before I launch into the interview, we do have a couple of jargon alerts for you this week. Sar used the phrase air-gapped, which was uh, a new phrase for me, and so I looked it up on Wikipedia, although I got the sense of what he meant from what he was saying. And according to Wikipedia, an air-gap, air-wall, or air-gapping is a network security measure employed on one or more computers to ensure that a secure computer network is physically isolated from unsecured networks, such as the public internet or an unsecured local area network. So in other words, it's a way of putting a barrier between something that you've kept really secure and something that's perhaps less secure. Other jargony terms that were used, I think by now most of us have heard the term phishing, spelled P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, which is basically things like emails that pretend to be legitimate and try to get at your personal information. But he took it a step further and referred to spear phishing, which is a phishing attack that seems to be coming from someone you know, which just gives it that extra layer of credibility and personalization that makes you that much more vulnerable to it. 
Just one more thing before we dive into the interview, I would like to send a great big thank you to David Hutcherson, who recently posted a five-star review of the Frank Reactions podcast on iTunes, something I would encourage you all to consider doing, although I know it's a pain in the butt to get there to do it. Anyway, what he had to say was the following... Tema is definitely grabbing the bull by the horns. She is on the forefront of the customer experience push and leading the way for young consultants like myself. Her podcast is full of great insight, and if you really care about customer experience, you should take notes. Thank you so much, David. And now, let's get to the interview. My name is Sarah Kohn. I'm a technology and cybersecurity expert. I have over 18 years of, uh, of experience. It's kind of a diverse experience in managerial, technical, and business development. Most recently, I established a manager consulting team specializing in uh, information and cybersecurity. We're doing work ranging from uh, risk management and policy to disaster recovery and business continuity. Previously, I played a key role in setting up and managing a unique program for training the next generation of uh, cyber experts in Israel's defense establishment. Hmm. I was lucky to be involved in different activities on different settings in different roles, which enables me now to, to, to view businesses in a different way, both from inside and outside. Uh, in regard, and in regards to cybersecurity, I also dealt with defense and offense and strategy. <laughs> okay. So, Sar, when we spoke before, you basically felt that a lot of businesses just aren't taking cybersecurity as seriously as they should be. Am I correct in understanding that that's what you feel? And why do you feel that way? I don't think that they're, they're not taking it seriously. I think the problem is different. First of all, we need to, need to, we need to understand the problem. Okay. Cybersecurity and cybercrime is an issue that's not going to, to, to vapor. It's no, if anything, it's getting bigger. And, and let, let's, talk like about, let's talk about one example, and then we'll, t- we'll take it from there. Let's talk about uh, one of the most famous stories in, in the field of cybersecurity and cybercrime which illustrate the magnitude of the problem is the one involving the U.S. retail chain Target, where hackers managed to steal 40 million credit card numbers. Now, we have to understand what it means. In the wild, every card worth, on average, $6. Huh, so, 40 million times six. So potentially, the hackers uh, gained around $240 million. Hmm. That's small money. And I'm saying small <laughs> money because they managed to cause... A far bigger, far bigger loss. It's estimated billions of dollars. Includes customer claims, crash of share value, resignations of, of senior management. Mm-hmm. So 240 million, that's their last problem. Right. And target breach was a turning point in, in how cyber, cybercrime is perceived. Until then, it was the problem of the guys in the corner taking care of IT and how Everyone understands it's a problems, uh, the problem of the CEO and the board directors, and they got to take it seriously. And yet we still have things like this big Yahoo breach. I yeah. mean, there are still huge breaches happening, it seems, every day. The Yahoo breach is, is a specific case, but let's go back to your questions. Are okay. they taking it seriously? Right. And, and I can understand that from the side, you can look at it and you say, why are they taking it seriously? It happens again and again. Yeah. And... In light of what I just said about Target, yeah. I do believe that most of them take it very seriously. The question is, what are they doing about it? Mm-hmm. And how are they defining seriously? <laughs> how, what's their definition for serious? Okay. So I'll give two examples 
which illustrates the problem. One company is uh, a very big company. I won't say the name because it would be a, <laughs> yeah. They had uh, uh, the area that we were supposed to be cons- consulting. They had their two distribution centers and four plants. Met with the pre-engagement uh, meeting to understand what are we dealing with, how can we help them, what they have today, just to, 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 to fill the grounds. And sat there for, I don't know, half an hour and heard amazing stories because they, they really invest a lot of money. They had a lot of people. They took it very seriously. They understand what they're facing, what can be the damage, what they need to do. And life was good. Mm-hmm. So the question was, okay, everything is great. So you did everything, but what is the most important thing for the business? What can't you live without? If something happens, this is the only thing you want to say. And, right. Uh, That's a good question. So in setting your priorities. Yeah. yeah. And, and see, CEO was there. Board members were there. Technical people were there. CEO goes immediately. Production line. I'm like, perfect. Okay. Haven't heard anything about the production line so far. Right. What have you done there? And there was like quiet. And I, I love, <laughs> a lot of looking at the table and, and other people. And then the head of security goes... We're not allowed to touch the production line. So what are you doing? And we kept talking about it. And eventually the, 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 the message was that they don't want to touch the production line. In that case, we don't want to play fake security. So we didn't take the project. So what kind of security would have been potentially necessary to protect the production line? They say the production line is air-gapped. Is what? Air-gapped. It's not connected to the outside world. Okay. But it's not true. Hmm. The nuclear factories, nuclear plants in Iran were air-gapped. Still, <laughs> uh, uh, Stockton's managed to get to get inside. So another company, a very big uh, uh, fashion company with hundreds of stores around the globe. Mm-hmm. And same thing, pre-engagement, we come to talk, and they invested a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But the problem is they have one security guy buried deep <laughs> under the CIO. Right. If you're a multinational company and you have one guy, two guys, three guys, you cannot play the game. And they had a lot of money, so they bought whatever they can. In terms of, In terms of software? Products. Or yes, software, can. appliances, whatever they can. Okay. Few problems. If you buy everything, I guarantee you most of the stuff don't fit your, uh, your organization. Right. And if you have three guys, they cannot handle the noise. Right. They cannot. Because what companies do, they buy everything. And then they connect it to their, to their network. Yeah. And then you get, you get a lot of noise. So you, tr- you start turning off everything, all the noises, and it's quiet. And you say, peace. From now, if we hear something, that's a real threat. Right. And it's not, and it's not like that. It doesn't work like turned that. off too much? They turned off everything. Right. Now it's quiet. That's interesting. So, so are the vendors of those products, they're just selling a mass product rather There's than... There's a huge industry that lives off our fear. Right. And it is very hard to draw the line between uh, FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and what should really be done and what we should really take care of. People that should take security seriously are not aware that they should. <laughs> and those that don't need to take seriously uh, that, that seriously or that hard security take it too hard. Hmm. It's very hard to deal with something that you cannot see from the CEO's office or CIO office or whoever's, they see it as expense. Although essentially it's insurance. Uh, but it didn't happen yet. This is one problem. Other problem, you, sometimes you have people that 
are not skilled enough to do the job. So that's and part of the issue too then is that CIOs even don't know enough to evaluate properly. Security sometimes get in the way of the uh, our normal IT uh, operation day to day by day operation. Sure. But yeah. it's it's it shouldn't be like that. Security's got to be business enabler today. Right. And the security industry and the security professionals got to change their approach. They're not able to, to deal with security good enough. So you, you say no, 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 no. You say no enough, people are going to go past you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to be ignored. Right. you got to change approach. And there's another problem. Some people, and I saw, I saw it happening a lot, not speaking truth to power. Because now you're getting budgets and you're getting resources. And organizations sometimes think that everything is under control. Mm-hmm. But actually... Everything is not out of control. <laughs> and then something bad happens. And then say, look, but we had X people on our team. We invested Y millions, hundreds of thousands uh, in whatever they asked. Mm-hmm. And still they were not able to stop that breach. Mm-hmm. And it takes us to another problem, the defense and offense, where it's not even fair because defense is chasing offense. Can you explain what you mean by that? The defense industry is, is reactive. We're reacting to, to, to whatever offense is throwing at us. Right. And there is a, I call it a mirror industry that is much more developed and much more advanced than the security industry. So being the With, criminal industry, the criminal side. Yeah. yeah. It's not even fair. <laughs> they're, they're winning. But we can look at it, okay, we lost and they're much better and there's nothing to do about it. But in reality, it shouldn't be like that for everybody. <laughs> Doing defense is, is hard, but it can be easier if you understand what you need to defend against. So, so one of the problems is the IT staff don't know enough about it themselves. Another is they have trouble getting support for what they feel needs to be done, mm-hmm. or they invest in the wrong things. I'm just trying to mirror mm-hmm. back what I think you've said. One of the things that intrigued me when you and I spoke before was also, and I've heard this in a lot of places, one of the biggest places of vulnerability is just the human element. <laughs> People making mistakes or believing somebody. Can you talk a bit about that? Yep. Majority of breaches are caused by human error. Okay. People can be the organization's greatest cybersecurity asset or greatest liability. Turns out that we are a security nightmare. <laughs> no, seriously, uh, uh, we're the weakest part, part in the chain. And we open emails, we really shouldn't. We visit websites that uh, uh, infect our, our machines. We update our software too rarely, if at all. We leave our devices everywhere for any attacker, attacker to uh, just nab, infect, hack. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give an example. It was going to be phishing. So for anyone not familiar with, with the term... Phishing is, is an attempt to obtain sens- sensitive information such as like username, passwords, credit card details, or something, uh, and sometimes indirectly money, mm-hmm. uh, often for malicious reasons, mm-hmm. by masquerading as a trustworthy entity in an electronic communication. Yeah. So let's go back to Target for a second. Thought to have stemmed from a phishing attack. The breach is, is, is likely to have been initiated through um, FSM, Fuzzy Mechanical Services, a heating, you know, ventilation, air conditioning contractor that was uh, a station in, in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. The firm was uh, connected to Target system yeah. uh, in order to provide electronic billing services and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. And the report suggested that the network uh, credentials were stolen in an email malware attack at least two months before thieves even started uh, to, use uh, taking, data. Uh, to use taking car data from thousands of Target uh, cash registries. So this contractor had, the, had a weekend? The contractor got fished. Okay. Then 
Okay. That are movement in, in the system. Yeah. And they, they get data. What's worse than that, for example, is uh, a huge retailer like Target are suffering a, a colossal data breach. It's a security company, RSA. <laughs> RSA getting hit by a phishing attack. So wow. what happened? RSA suffered a data breach in March in 2011, mm-hmm. but kept tightly about how the attack occurred. Weeks later, the firm revealed that the spear phishing attack exploited. Uh, so it was like an Adobe Flash vulnerability that was unpatched at the time. Mm-hmm. And then the attack enabled criminals to get a hold of the master keys uh, uh, for all RSA security security tokens, mm. which were then subsequently used to break into U.S. defense suppliers network. Whoa. So it all starts with the human error. But and so there it was, software hadn't been kept up to date. It felt like the user side yeah. were tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody thought they were talking about the security fatigue. We're being asked not to do that and that and that. Before that, we were taught that emails, you got to open emails, right. you click on links, and the internet was built as a secure way of communication. <laughs> and now you, you want us to change that way. Right. Users got to apply common sense and trust their instincts. There's no chance you're going to get an email from your bank saying you want half a million dollars. <laughs> right. Seriously. Yeah. It's not a chance. Yeah. And I know spear phishing gets, gets better and better every day, and that's why criminals are stealing data in order. Craft. So what is spear phishing as opposed to phishing? Spear phishing is a very, very directed phishing attack, collecting information that is very... For example, if I want to go after you, yeah. I'll collect information and I'll make the phishing attempt nearly close to perfect that you'll believe that the email that you're reading now was really, uh, it's really for you. Right. Uh, it's very, it's not general. You can avoid stuff like that, like going over the links and see where they are uh, directed to mm-hmm. or reading your mail in plain text and then you'll see exactly where the mail came from and not <laughs> what they want you to see. Yeah, but when they you always, think of the number of emails people are handling every it, day, that's just not going to happen. It, it takes a change of approach with the security industry also to take the weight off the user yes. and find ways right, uh, to, to prevent that automatically. it. Yeah. It's got to be a, a joint effort. But currently things, things are bad. People are not aware that they're walking around with a target on their backs. Well, and also sometimes IT people... I mean, I remember this working in an organization that dealt with health information. So it was pretty confidential stuff. And they wanted us to change our passwords every few weeks. And they had all these criteria. So you couldn't just change one or two bits of the password. It became impossible to remember. So what happens? You walk around the office, there are little yellow sticky notes on all the computers with their passwords. If we'll go back to the fashion company I was talking about, mm-hmm. one of the things that I was told, what do you want? We did every cert- certification that we need. We're complied with everything. Yeah. Everything is cool. Yeah. Compliance never saved no one from uh, getting breached, getting hurt. It's just the baseline. If we're talking specifically about the password, it was proven that passwords are useless. <laughs> Because now there's two-factor authentication that you can use, which makes it very hard because you need your password and, and, and your phone. Yeah. And, and it's ed- educating the users and, and introducing new technology to the organization. Mm-hmm. I've seen it a lot. Most Sticky stickies, notes yeah. with, with passwords. Yeah. You can use today, you can, you can uh, introduce password vault to the organization. And then, then your users going to have all their passwords in their phone. And there's, a way, there's ways to automatically authenticate. I want to say secure ID of RSA, but we're already established that as it also can be breached. But right. um, there are ways. Eventually, you need to acknowledge that you're going to be breached or that you've already been breached 
and you don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Because securing everything and eliminating the, the, the threat is not, not possible, not, not an option. So uh-huh. you're saying it's only a matter of time till you get breached and you need to prepare for what happens then? Yep. Okay. You, gotta be, you, you have to know what you want to defend most and then defend it. But you've got to know what you're going to do the next day. Right. Let's leave security aside and let's talk business. If we think about Target, they lost 240 million. That's nothing to what happened because uh, our reputation, yeah. it takes a second to run reputation. Yeah. If you prepare for a breach and you know what your uh, PR going to do an hour later, you can run crisis management. Yes. And, and you know what? At the end of, the, of, of this event, you're going to come stronger and you get even more customers. <laughs> and it, it's, it's how you deal with it. And, and most of the companies, what happens, keep their lip tight. Yes. And trying to, to understand what happened or they know what happened and they want to, don't want to reveal it. It's going to be out sooner or later. Yeah. So we assume it's going to happen sooner. Mm-hmm. Because if, let's say, for example, let's say if you're, I don't know, you produce whatever, Hansel, uh, and mm-hmm. something happened in the production and uh, it, it, people should not use it because they're going to get burned. Yeah. You will not. You're, you're not going to wait. No, of course not. Uh, because if you wait, you, you're, you're gone. Yes. It should be the same thing with security. With security. The way you, you introduce it to your organization and the way you treat it will determine if it's going to be a business enabler or right. it's going to be a burden. So how can people identify and find experts with the right kind of background and with the right kind of expertise? That's a problem. (laughs) That's a problem because uh, how do you know that the people that you already have, which are supposed to be experts, know and maybe they're not experts enough Mm -hmm. or they're not experts at all, Mm -hmm. will know how to hire the good people or maybe they'll shy away, they'll scare away people that are experts because they don't there's there's like feeling uh, threatened yeah that, that's a problem but you gotta find the people and you can you can check their their credibility and you can check their background history mm-hmm. and there are companies that that can help you uh, uh identify that right. and even if you don't find people it's not uh brain science uh you can learn that i, I can say i can defend my field of expertise and say <laughs> no it's very complicated no it's not you can learn security mm-hmm what would be sort of minimum requirements? Let's say we're talking about a small business, a really small business. How much do they need to invest? What should they be doing? Eliminating threat is impossible. So protecting against them without um, disrupting business innovation growth is top management issue. Let's talk about small and large and then we'll touch, touch okay. small because because most of large companies have dramatically uh, strengthened their cybersecurity capabilities over the past years. Right. We can argue if they did it right, did it wrong, <laughs> they was in the right places. We can argue about it, but they, they set formal processes, mm-hmm. they know their risk, they develop mitigation strategies, and invested hundreds of millions. And yet, it seems that not a week goes by without another large company having a breach. If we already established that you're going to breach, you'd be breached. You're going to be breached. Oh, right. Okay. So you're going so, to be breached. It's a question so of where and how that It depends where and what will happen and what will happen it's like breaking into a house. Someone who is dedicated enough eventually will break get in. in. Yeah. Small companies don't always have the resources, and shifting resources to dealing with cybersecurity can be can be a disaster. It, it means that taking the money from the business and and, right. and that's it. Yeah. On the other end, you can say that big companies are, are more people, bigger, wider spread, so it should be easier for smaller companies. Less um, less widespread risk. Yeah, less so. I cannot give a golden tip that, that if you'll do that, you'll be secure. But 
understand what you're facing. If someone's going to come after you, what is he going to go after? Invest in your employees and educate them to apply common sense. If they come into something that looks suspicious, mm-hmm. say it. Get an, an open environment or open culture that even if someone did something, he can say it. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. There are a few things that everybody should do. Even if you're small, if, you, if you're a very small business, you're like a, a private person. Yeah. So make sure you update software. Yeah. Learn to recognize scams and malware. It's easy. You forgot how to apply common sense hmm. and trust our instincts. Mm-hmm. Um, choose strong passwords. Mm-hmm. Everything we put on, on, on our computer and on the net is less secure than what we think. <laughs> and if you and if you don't want something to be on the on the front page of a newspaper, don't put it in your email. Right. Don't and post, don't put it on Facebook. Don't post everything on Facebook. <laughs> no, for example, if yeah. you don't want to get uh, your, your house break into, don't post on Facebook that but, you're gone for a month. Right. And how fun it is. Yeah. People are there listening yeah. and waiting for the opportunity. This podcast is primarily about customer experience. Mm-hmm. And to make things more secure is often going to detract from the customer experience. So having to go through multi-factor authentication, it just makes it more annoying when you're a customer. So what do you advise companies about how to strike that balance between not wanting to be too onerous for customers, but at the same time wanting to keep them safe? How should they assess those two? Let's talk first of all about the customer as a customer. Buying online is relatively safe. It's safe. <laughs> because you know, the banks will back it. Banks will back it. You'll yeah. get your money. It yeah. is safe. So don't be afraid. Just as a customer, apply common sense. Don't go buy stuff from places that you, you just find out now and that, that selling something specific that you want and you found it only there. <laughs> and I wonder why you found it only there. Right. So apply common sense. Regarding the, the companies, it's a problem fi- finding the balance between uh, making it hard and getting the customers to run away from you. Yeah. You need to find a way to communicate to your customers in a true way. And if you if it will be true, not, not just saying it, they'll play along. Mm-hmm. That their safety is important to them. Yeah. Some customers will run away from you. And I think that those customers will run away from you anyway. They yeah. will find a different reason. Yeah. Passwords are, are something that kind of disappear. You think it'll it go to proved. iris recognition or... It will go. There's a couple of alternatives that are being uh, our research now. So if I have a database of people, let's say, on my mailing list, is it safe for me to say, okay, I that stuff is kept by MailChimp or by on a Google form? Can I safely assume that that stuff is secure? No. <laughs> no. No. A Google form, that's a problem. <laughs> really? Yeah, because uh, it's on a Google form on your Google Drive, Right. I guess. Yeah. So Google um, Drive isn't secure. Depends who you ask, but uh, <laughs> Google Drive as Google Drive is, is, is secure, but I don't need to, to break into Google Drive. I got to get into your computer. Right. And it, I, and it might be easier getting to your computer right. than getting to Google Drive. Right. So what do I do? Look, I'll, and now I'll come and contradict <laughs> myself like I said. We got to guess a question, who's going to come after you? Uh, you you got to really piss someone off in order to have him come after you so hard. Isn't there just randomness, take, though, that uh, people maybe, are maybe not... Sometimes. Yeah, but it's not that big? Uh, yeah, so you'll get your customer list, and it's gonna be, and it's gonna be not going to be fun, because he can now take the information, and he, he'll get their email, phone numbers, names, yeah. maybe where they work. And by the way, you can get that from LinkedIn. He doesn't need you. That's true. <laughs> and from Facebook. 
Yeah. And then you can create a spear phishing campaign to get something from them. Yeah. Now comes the question is, who are your customers? Are they worth spear phishing? We cannot hide under, under our table and not right. do anything. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's the best you can do in, in, in the current situation. It might be that with your customer's database, you can email them and immediately tell them that something happened. And they need to change. Apologize. Yeah. They need to change. Mm-hmm. And if you build such a relationship with your uh, customers, nothing will happen. Yeah. It will be embarrassing. It won't be fun. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll lose some. Mm-hmm. But being so honest yeah. and so uh, direct about it, yeah. you might gain even more yeah. or those that were not sure will turn to be uh, very loyal customers. Yes. So if I'm to summarize what I've heard from you today, it sounds like there are a couple of things. One is identify what is the biggest risk to your organization and focus on protecting that the best you can. Second is have a crisis response planned so that you can get into action. And practice it. And practice it. Good point. Yeah. And then be prepared to apologize promptly and be open with... When it happens. Yeah. Not if. (laughs) When it happens. Right. And make sure you have the right people to do the job. Yeah. And when you do have them, give them enough budget and enough space to help you. Right. They care about small and medium companies. If they're listening and hearing that, and they don't know how to deal with cybersecurity and want to learn maybe how... Or if you're a small company, a medium company, and started something, you want to make sure mm-hmm. that you're in the right direction, they can feel free to contact me, free of charge. All right. Thank you very much, Sara. This has been very informative, a little bit scary. <laughs> but <laughs> that, was uh, not, that was not my intention. But, no, um, but it's important. It's really important for people to know this. You cannot secure yourself to death. you got to find a balance. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I pretty much did the recap before actually turning off the recording device there, so I won't repeat it, but I do want to give you Sarkoen's email address because he was serious about that offer to help out anybody who's got questions or concerns about cybersecurity. So the email address is saar at g-i-l-s-a-r dot com. So, sar at gilsar.com. So, do feel free to take advantage of that very generous offer of his. That's it for today. If you happen to be in Edmonton, I will be giving a talk on Wednesday of this week, October 26th. And if you just go to this episode of the podcast, frankreactions.com forward slash 90, I'll have a link for you to register if you'd like to go to that. I'll be talking about how you can beat your competitors without having to have rock bottom pricing. And then hideously early Thursday morning, I head down to Calgary, where I will be attending a couple of events, and I will have a little bit of time there in the afternoon. So if you are in Calgary and would like to connect with me on Thursday afternoon, October 27th, probably best bet is just to give my cell phone a call. The number for that is 780-222-6435. I don't normally promote that number far and wide, but if you have questions about any of the things you hear on this podcast or read in the Frank Reactions blog, I would be very happy to answer them. You can call me at that number or you can call my toll-free line, which is 1-866-544-9262. And of course, as always, you can reach me directly by email, tema, T-E, Amazon Marketing A 
at frankreactions.com. I would love to hear from you. Have a wonderful week and I will chat with you again next week. Bye. Bye.